Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All the sign is up, as are we. Your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, getting another week underway. The week before the week of the opening of training camp. We're here for you all week long next week into the entire season. John, are they going to get tired of us when the Eagles start the season? Or maybe I should say when the Eagles start losing games during the season. Are they going to get tired of you and me in the morning? No, I don't think they're going to get tired of us during the season. I think they're tired of us right now. we got to get over that hump. we got to get over that hump. Once practice starts, everybody's going to be fired up. You know, you know how that goes. Why the They're going to have Elliott Shore Parks saying Jalen Hurts was 15 of 18 to practice, and people are going to be fired up. Why the hell did you and I get up if they're already tired of us? No, I think they're no. chomping at the bit. Can't wait till it gets going. I don't know about you, but I am. That is the case every single time. John, it, it's so funny. Yes, I know you and I have never discussed this because when you and I talk, we pretty much stick to football, but – um your life is a bunch of seasons and you grow up as a kid and your season is the school year that you have both uh, and then you have your summer and then you get back into your routine and you just about get out of that. And then you get married and you have a kid and guess what? You're back into a school year again. It's all dictated by September through uh, end of June. And then you get a couple of months. You're allowed to have some fun. Uh, My daughter is now well graduated from school so my life is dictated by the sports seasons. When one season ends, another one starts. The Phillies are playing well. But I got to tell you, J-Mac, I'm looking as forward to this NFL season as I can remember. Maybe it's doing a show because I'm talking football on a day-in, day-out basis for the four months leading up to the start of the season. But I am ready. I am pumped for the start of NFL 2021. Can I ask why? I'm always pumped for the NFL season. I don't know how you cannot be. What 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 makes this one besides this show? Is there something about the league, the storylines? What what are you most interested in that's got you pumped up? It's it's got to be the show because you're right. There, there's nothing that's new what I to do. it. The Eagles are kind of a uh, fly by the seat of their pants team this year. New coach, new quarterback. Yeah, they're in a god-awful division, which gives you some hope that maybe this could be a year that they could actually make it to the postseason, sneak into the postseason, backdoor it into the postseason. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to win 11 games and bang down the postseason door. <laughs> I'm an optimist, but I'm not no. stupid. Um, but, yeah, it's the NFC least in which they reside, and you never know. Shoot, they were in it till week 12, uh, week four. 15. Yeah, it's amazing how last late year. they were in it last year. And they were they were awful. They, they were, were poor eleven and one. And we were talking about well, maybe the Moop can Jalen Hurts can give them a jump start, then they can get in the playoffs. That's how bad the NFCs uh, was last year. That's part of the problem. I don't think it. But we've been saying this for a couple of years. I don't think it can be that bad for this long. I think if you look on paper, 
Um, really, you can make an argument every team has, has, has made improvements. I would say Washington and, and New York definitely, and, and we'll talk to Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders about, you know, some of the national division and, and Eagles issues a little bit later. Uh, and we got a big uh, guest early that you'll talk about in a second. But um, I, I, you know, the Cowboys to me, it's mostly about Dak Prescott and his health. But I think every, I think Washington's legitimately improving. I think the Giants are legitimately improving. So I don't know if it's going to be as bad when we say bad division. It's not going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be as bad. Well, and uh, we all have questions about Jalen Hurts, which, by the way, <clears throat> did you see the hype video for Jalen Hurts? Uh, no, he, he's got a he's got his own new individual hype video out. I think it's on his Instagram. Well, we have the slow mo video. I yeah, I tend to. I talked about it with Ben Simmons. I mean, look, I say it all the time. Jalen works hard. Uh, that's not going to be the problem with Jalen Hurts. I mean, he is always working. But I don't give a rat's ass, Jody, about these these hype videos that these players put together. They're smart, man. They're branding themselves. They yep. understand social media. It doesn't mean anything. So if people are getting fired up by that, I'm sorry. I got to say, yeah, I tried to be optimistic at the start, and he got me going. I can't stand these videos, and mainly because of Ben Simmons. We're always making threes in an empty gym. No, uh, I'm not going to Ben Simmons. And uh, I'll be honest, I, like you, know full well the machinations behind a hype video. It is there purely to hype you up. And they are going to edit it to a fine point to make it look as good as possible. It's it. They take hours of production to put this minute and a half together. And yeah, you know what it is. If you know what it is ahead of time, then you keep it in the proper perspective. I got to tell you, it worked on me. God, God, and God. I don't usually fall for this hype video crap, oh, but it did. It worked on me. It actually got me a little uh, excited about the upcoming season. And I'm with everybody else, and I don't know what uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be. He could be anywhere from great to, oh, my God, did we really move away from Carson Wentz for this guy? I don't know where it's going to land, but I know what Carson Wentz was. And if I'm a betting man, I think Jalen Hurts will be better this year than Carson Wentz was last year, which is going to put us right back in the middle. You know what song I was thinking of today? Uh, I think I got a couple of years on you, but you might uh, know the song. Steelers Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with You. Oh, yeah. yeah. Stuck in the uh, uh, What is the Quentin Tarantino movie that uh, that's famous from? Uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, Stuck really? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I haven't seen Reservoir Dog in 20 years. I didn't even know that was part of it. Or if I knew it at once, I had forgotten it. But it was a famous song from 30, 40, 50 years ago. I don't even know what year it came out. Yes, yeah, 70. So it might be sneaking up on 50 years ago would be my guess on uh, Stuck in the Middle with You. I fear that's what's going to happen with Jalen Hurts this year. That he's going to be better than Carson Wentz was. But he's not going to be outrageously good. But he's not going to be terribly bad, which is going to leave guys like John McMullen and Jody McDonald on Birds 365 going, well, is he good enough that they don't make a play for Deshaun Watson? Is he good enough that they're not going to use their draft capital to take a quarterback in the next round? You know exactly what's going to happen to Jim McMullen. Oh, We're yeah. going to be stuck in the middle with oh, you, yeah. Jalen Hurts. I've been talking about it since we've been doing this show. What number are we, Jody? we got to be 
Uh, that would be show up. number 72, my friends. 72. So I've been saying it virtually since uh, show number one. <laughs> Is there anything Jalen Hurts can do? And then we bring in the Sean Watson talk, which kind of got amped up because, you know, Adam Schefter. Everybody's been saying the same damn thing. But Adam Schefter, I'm going to give you another dated reference that you will get, Jody. Hopefully everyone else gets. Adam Schefter's E.F. Hutton. When he talks, people go, oh, oh, what? What? The Eagles? Everybody's been saying the same damn thing. But Adam says it, it becomes real to these people. I'm writing about this in Philly Voice this morning. Okay. It'll be up at some point. It becomes real. And then you get all these people. I, I got somebody from the Eagles saying, I don't think Christina Laurie will allow this to happen. I, I got some fellow reporters, you know, pearl clutching, saying, how could you bring this guy in here with these allegations? And I constantly say, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Laurie, uh, Jody, Riley Cooper, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Vick. Michael Vick. It's not only he has proven consistently, he has proven consistently he is willing to give players second chances. So it is what it is. They're going after them. <laughs> it's just a matter of can they get them. And I've, I've used that term a lot, FU player. That's what Deshaun Watson is. Nothing against Jalen Hurts. It has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. But if you can get a player of that caliber at 25 years old, it'll probably be 26 by that time, you do it. Now, again, if, if there's legal entanglements, that takes it off the table. So it takes care of itself. I'm saying if he's cleared, if he's punished by the NFL, if the uncertainty is removed, if he's ready to go, the Philadelphia Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson. So what can Jalen Hurts do other than cross his fingers? You never want to do that to people. Either they get him or they don't get him. But it has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. They're going to go after him. I would add Desh uh, Deshaun Jackson to that group of individuals. Yeah, I said Deshaun. Did that, you say Deshaun? Deshaun? Deshaun. I, 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 and I remember, Jeffrey is, is Jewish. And yeah. those were anti-Semitic. And he gave – he didn't cut them. No. You know, he wanted him to apologize. He wanted him to do some work uh, in the Jewish community. But he gave him another opportunity. And I think he will do so again if Deshaun Watson becomes available. And as far as Adam Schefter, uh, yes, when he speaks, people listen. I, no knock on Schefter because I think he's great. And oh, when he speaks, he's phenomenal. The guy who I would more listen to when it comes to Deshaun Watson is the guy that we had on the show yeah. here about three oh, weeks yeah. ago, John McClain, who is as tied into the Texans as any other reporter is to his individual team. In the league. It's not even close. He's the man in using. But his relationship with the Texans, his ability to get information, is as good as any other individual, even John McMullen with the Philadelphia Eagles. Or as uh, you like to point out, Mike Garofolo on the National Network, tied into the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's how tied in McLean is on the Texans. And we had him on three weeks ago, and he said, I just don't see him ever playing for the Texans again that it is too big a story, it is too much of a distraction, that they can't move forward with their organization, that he will be somewhere else when he is reinstated in the National Football League. And if he's leaving the Texans, why shouldn't it be the Eagles where he lands? They do have more draft capital than anyone else to offer. There's a lot of 
pieces to the puzzle that the Eagles have in place that other teams just don't have. So if you're tired of McMullen and McDonald talking about A, Deshaun Watson, or B, vaccinations, sorry, we're going to continue yeah. to do it because they're both big stories in the National Football League. One is nationally and very locally focused-based. That's Deshaun Watson. And the other one is, of course, all national. It's across the National Football League. Another one of our buddies who's hopped on the show, Rob Motti, who's now doing not only the Eagles, but the entire National Football League, had reporting on the vaccinations over the weekend. There are two teams in the league, one of which is in the Eagles division. That would be the Washington football team that have less than 50% vaccination rate. Yeah. In other words, they're not getting 85. That's not happening. If we're nine days before camp and they're only at uh, below 50%, they got no chance to get to 85, which means they're going to have a difficult time getting ready for the season. Uh, sorry, fans. There is John and I. Hey, we got to talk about it every day. You just got to listen. We actually have to talk about it. <laughs> if it's that big, yeah. we're going to talk about it on a show in show out basis. And remember the Washington football team and Ron Rivera. There was a big story in the offseason down there about him bringing in experts to talk to his team. Hasn't worked. You know, I think one of the more interesting things is. Uh, Jody, uh, you mentioned uh, Rob Motti, our buddy. You know, now there's a report out from Florio that the NFL and the NFLPA is working on a method for identifying vaccinated players at practice and during games. In other words, they want to shame these freaking guys to get vaccinated, which, look, personally, I don't agree with. But I think it's interesting from the Players Association's uh, uh, standpoint because they're supposed to fight for players, good or bad, better or different. And that's where you get some of these guys, Lane Johnson being one of them. They don't like the Players Association. And at times it seems like they're in bed with the league, and this is one of those times. This is a mess, Jody. So how do you not talk about it? It's a mess. Yeah, they're going to be wearing, uh, I guess, wristbands, colored, coated wristbands around the National League facility. So, yeah, John McMullen, watching them walk into the building, is going to be able to tell who got vaccinated and who didn't get vaccinated. I wear, do you wear uh, any of these? I still wear these uh, bands I, around my I wrist. I occasionally put one on, but no, not regularly. I, I, that's probably the last thing I give Lance Armstrong any credit for. He started these with uh, years ago, and I still still got a couple of them that I wear on a day in day out basis. Oh, it's not going to be a good thing if you got the band on. Uh, that's not going to go over well for you with some of your teammates once this season gets underway. And I'm sorry, yes, it's a story we need to continue. And to it's talk. fly by the seat of the pants, as you mentioned, Jody. That that is what stuns me about this league. I always talk about it. $13 billion industry on its way to being perhaps Roger Goodell's gold $25 billion industry. Man, they do too many things fly by the seat of the pants. Well, way I'll, too many. I'll, I'll cut them a little slack because nobody saw this pandemic coming. Um, but it's been here for a while, and you would have thought they would have figured out. I gave them slack last year, not this year. Yeah, you're, you're past the slack point? Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, J-Mac mentioned the fact that uh, we got two guests coming on. Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, a little bit later. But our first guest, I'm psyched that is he's going to be joining the show. You know this is a Mac and Mac production, McMullen and McDonald. Well, prior to McDonald and McMullen... There was Macnow and McDonald. Uh, my ex-partner, Glenn Macnow, who I hosted with for years on WIP, who is the host of the Eagles pregame show on the Eagles radio network. 
an all-around good dude and knowledgeable sports guy, is going to join us next to talk some Eagles, host the Eagles pregame show, a triple Mac attack coming your way. McMullen, McDonald, and Mac now next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. A Monday morning affair here on Bird 365. McMullen and McDonald with you. We're bringing in... The third of a three-pronged Mac attack for you this morning. Joining us now is my former partner, the host of the Eagles pregame show on the Eagles radio network, and my good buddy, Glenn Mac now, who I can tell is in Cape Cod. Number one, he told me. And number two, he's already got the tan working. How did you get so tan so fast, Mac now? I have no idea because I got here last night. So, you know, 
little early, I'd, uh, but it's great. I'm going to be here for a couple of days, enjoy myself. Nice to talk to you, Jody and John. Uh, good to see you, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, that's good lighting, but you're, that, that's an attractive man. There's <laughs> oh, only so really much like you can that. work with here. I, I do want to, you know, I feel, you know, kind of, I'm not quite as good Mac and Mac as the original Mac and Mac. Nobody ever will be. But, you know, I want to start with you guys and your history together. Some of your best moments, some of your funniest moments. Give me something related to that, Glenn. We used to make bets. Uh, and we used <laughs> of to make course. bets on football games. And we used to make bets a lot on Eagles-Cowboys games. And I remember a couple specifically. Actually, one might have been a Phillies bet that I lost. For some reason, I lost more of these bets than I won. <laughs> and there was a guy who made wigs in the city, toupees back then, before hair weaves were the thing. And I had to get uh, and wear a wig for two days, three days, Jody. It was at least two. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty hard. It was pretty horrendous. There was another one that I lost, and we were doing the show at Pizzeria Uno's in King of Prussia. And after losing, I had to stand out in the median of Route Two Hundred Two. Oh, that's busy, dangerous, right busy there. Street. Yeah. Until ten people threw me from their cars. Eagles memorabilia, hats, <laughs> shirts, whatever. So I'm, and it was cold. It was like 20 degrees. I'm standing out there in the freaking snow waiting for people to throw me stuff. And, oh, by the way, uh, Mac now was so popular. He was out there for about 45 seconds. And the, the people were lining up to give him Eagle stuff so he could get back into Pizzeriano <laughs> as soon as possible. I'll give it that he was in the middle of the road. I'll give it it was dangerous. I'll give it that it was cold. He was out there for 45 seconds. So, so don't believe yeah, was he was long. hard suffering. From, the, the Eagle fans bailed him out in a big way that day. Uh, yes, I, I won more bets than he did on the Cowboys and Eagles. But I did lose one, and I had to wear a dress. To oh, the McDonald's yeah, over on the Berlin Circle. And, oh, by the way, I had to go to the ladies' big and tall shop because <laughs> they don't make dresses in my size. Uh, I, I had to spend a decent amount of money to go get a cheapy dress to wear at McDonald's. So, yes, yeah, SmackDown won every once in a while, too. The thing oh, I remember oh. most is um, myself, Glenn, and our producer started what became Glenn's uh, the, the Pick the winner every Suicide single week pool. pool. Yeah. Yes. Which is, yeah, we did. Yeah. With, oh, it was just the three of us. It was me, Glenn, and our producer. Uh, uh, now I'm forgetting his name. It was uh, producer Sixers games after we left. Jamal. It was you, oh, me, and Jamal, Jamal yeah. on a week in, week out basis. And we'd turn it over like six times during the season. Because one of yeah. two of the three of us would lose. The one guy would collect the money. All right, let's start again. And we we go through it like six times in the course of a season. Now Glenn's got 15, 20,000, 20, 25,000 yeah. people who enter his contest on WIP. Started with three idiots in studio. How many people you got for that, Glenn? Pardon me? How many people do you have for that now? Do the you set a record like every year? Well, it did. The pandemic hurt last year. But yeah. before that, the most I ever got was 24,000, which is pretty good sized contest. You bet. Uh, I just want to mention one other moment because this one was pretty historic. And it's another Pizzeria Uno moment. Jody and I are doing the show there on a Tuesday. And we get a call. And by the way, no cell phones then. Right. So our producer yeah. gets a call, relays it to us. And it says, hey, a guy who claims to be Ricky Waters agents on the phone. And he says, Ricky wants Ricky was a free agent says he wants to play for the Eagles and he wants to come out and sit with you guys and explain it. And we had heard nothing about this. We we're really skeptical, but we said, sure. 
And then half hour later, into Pizzeria Uno walks Ricky Waters, who sits yeah. down at the table with us and says, I want the Eagles to sign me. So Jody and I take credit for those three years. Jody's mostly responsible for who for, who, for what, but I get <laughs> I, I think Mac now is more pro Ricky Waters than I am, but that's beside the point. That's funny. That is the second most memorable moment for us at Pizzeria And I'm not talking about you out on the medium. You yeah. know what came down while we were at Uno's one day? Sure the O.J. verdict oh. came down while Glenn and I were on the air at Pizzeria Uno. So we got to do a show. Meanwhile, all we want to do is watch the TV and hear everything that's said and the decision. And, and we couldn't do it because we were on the air at that time. So we had to kind of piecemeal it. But I will never forget that, that uh, I was hanging with my buddy Glenn Mack now when O.J. Simpson was found uh, not guilty. All right, sure. uh, Mack, great walk down memory lane. We did get John to talk about the Eagles and the upcoming season 2021. We all made it to a tough season last year. What are you hanging your hat on as of right now to be most upbeat about, uh, optimistic about? We're not going crazy. Jason Kelsey back in a mummer's outfit. But uh, what are you hanging your hat on right now that it's going to be better this year than last? Uh, I think the defense is going to be better. I, I, I'm excited about a new defensive coordinator. I, I thought some of their signings, they're not glamorous. I think Ryan Kerrigan's a good sign. I think Eric Wilson at middle linebacker. I mean, they didn't have a middle linebacker last year. Now they have one. I think Anthony Harris at safety. Um, you know, uh, Gannon is a disciple of Mike Zimmer. And I think the defense is going to be better. Not elite, but better. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat that that's gonna help him win a couple of games. Glenn, you you threw out an interesting tweet over the weekend. It, it kind of piqued my interest, so I, I I'm gonna pull it up real quick. So you put from April 16 to June yeah. 17, Philadelphia's four teams drafted Carson Wentz, Mickey Moniak, Nolan Patrick, and Markel Fultz with the first or second overall picks. There's a lesson in there somewhere. This is Glenn, but I don't know what it is. Have you found out what it is over the past 24, 36 hours? Uh, I think the lesson is that having great talent as an 18, 19, 20-year-old does not necessarily translate into meaning you're going to have a great pro career. And in some of those cases, you got to judge character. I think with Fultz, uh, Fultz had one great year on a really bad NCAA team out in Washington, and people thought, okay, well, that's enough. Uh, I think with Nolan Patrick, there were immaturity and character issues that maybe they couldn't read at the time. You know, it is, it's tough to read somebody who's that age and say, okay, he's going to mature into this. Patrick never did. Um, Moniac, I think it's a separate issue. I think he just, although he's coming on now, I know down in AAA, he's, he's on a real good streak. But he's never grown into the body of a major league player. I don't know how you project that. And Wentz is a whole different story because Wentz came here and Wentz was great for a while. And Wentz just, you know, went south. Um, so the lesson is, I mean, it's, it's a dumb lesson. But the lesson is that it's really hard to say this guy is a terrific player at 19. He's going to be a franchise guy for us. Lesson is there's no locks in sports. There's no givens, no matter how high you are drafted. I want to double down on, on Carson because um, he is the most recent guy to go elsewhere. Well, no, Patrick actually was last night. Uh, but we moved on from Carson Wentz. Good luck to him with Frank Reich. Frank wants him. Frank thinks he can get him turned around. So be it. 
I did a complete 180 on Carson Wentz. I was a huge fan. I was a defender early last year when people were ripping him. And I'm going, you do remember this guy was in the lead for the MVP just a couple of years ago. He never got it turned around. And then he did a, for me, kind of unforgivable thing of demanding to get out of town because he was benched because he was the worst quarterback in the National Football League. Suck it up. They they gave you a longer leash to work with than I actually thought he deserved. And they don't play the Colts this year. If they did, how would Carson Wentz be handled when he came back here to Philadelphia? Oh, he would be booed as big as anybody was ever booed. Uh, and it, it is so unfortunate because he was everything you said. He was the guy who was going to win the MVP in 2017. They're not getting to the Super Bowl without what he gave him before his injury. And I think people understate what he did after that. I mean, after, I think in 2018, 2019, he was, he was good. I mean, he was, he was a top-flight quarterback in the NFL. I was stunned and shocked, Jody and John, when he went south as he did because I always thought he was a mature, level-headed kid. And once they drafted Hurts, he just went into the tank and it got worse and it got worse. Uh, he bailed on the team. He basically skulked out of town. And um, as a guy who was one of my favorites, I was thoroughly disappointed. So while as a member of the media, I would not boo, I would, I might go like this a little bit, you know, (laughs) it would not, it would not. And I, I'm not a big boo guy. You know that Jody, but in this case, he, he earned every bad word he got. Glad, but the breakup is recent. So as time passes, did people come to the conclusion you just did? Look, it didn't last as long as we all hoped, but uh, 1960. I mean, this guy was the biggest part. People don't realize what, how big a part he was to that Super Bowl 52 team. Do you think as time moves on and people get farther away from the ending, which was really bad, they'll recognize. We just talked about those first number one and number two overall picks all around town. Ultimately, won't this guy be looked at as a success? Because the Eagles got a Super Bowl championship. Are you talking about fans or analysts? I'm talking about fans. Analysts, no. I think. No? no? No, fans are going to hold a long grudge against him. You know, you divorced me. We may have had a good uh, year or two, but you divorced me. I'll never forgive that. By the way, a guy two houses down just started doing a leaf blower. Is that? Are you hearing that? Because I can move if you need me. No, we're good. No, okay. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. It's All right. So yeah. we're Pandemic. We're we're at the houses. We got we got everything. Hopefully, okay. this guy brought out the leaf blower, and I just didn't want to. Do that. No, I, I, thought, um, I thought the I thought the leaves didn't fall in New England until September, October. What the hell is he doing? It's too early to have the leaf blower out. Well, it's the anyway. patio. It's the stuff on his patio. I don't know. I I can go more. <laughs> um, anyway, um, no, he you you left us. You you quit on us. Maybe that was good, but no, I don't. Unfortunately, um, because it was a great year and it was a great brief shining moment, but that'll never fans will never ever forgive that. They've turned the team over to Jalen Hurts, although they haven't officially. Nick Sirianni says every position is in competition. So uh, maybe Joe Flacco's the starting quarterback. Don't think so. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to take over his first full year as a starter at the Eagles. We got a pretty good 
preview of him last year and what's in his game, what's in his arsenal. Um, they didn't win a lot of games. They won their biggest game of the year, the upset against New Orleans, but also went one and three during Hertz's starts. What about this kid did you see last year that you like? What is the biggest hurdle that he and the Eagles are going to have to get over once the Jalen Hurts era starts here in Philadelphia? I like his leadership. I think he's going to be uh, a guy that the other players will like and follow, and, and that's a, obviously a very important thing for a quarterback. Uh, I like his mobility, you know, which you get a mobile quarterback, that's, that's very helpful. I have questions about his accuracy uh, and his arm, and if you're going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league, you better be an accurate quarterback. And, you know, he's a rookie, so I don't want to put too much stock in that, but that would be my biggest concern. And I, I don't know how a quarterback gains arm strength. You, normally you are what you are at 22, 23. So that's my biggest concern. So with those concerns, Glenn, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? And more importantly, the ceiling for Jalen Hurts, because he's got a very narrow path. He's got one season to prove that he could be the future for the Philadelphia Eagles. And oh, by the way, you have the Deshaun Watson uh, potential uh, hanging above you. What can Jalen Hurts do to seize the mantle of this team as, as sort of the face of the franchise on the field? Um, he can win the, he can keep the job. I mean, the ceiling for the team, and I'm not predicting this is going to be their record, but if everything goes right and they don't have a lot of injuries and maybe other teams in the division do have injuries and they avoid mistakes, to me, the ceiling's nine and seven. And that's, and that's not a record I expect them to get to, but you asked ceiling, uh, what he can do to keep the job is, um, avoid turnovers uh, make those critical third downs with, uh, you know, a third and eight out pass or with his feet. Um, be a winner. Um, I mean, he's not the same player as Nick Foles, but Nick Foles won a lot of games for the Eagles through grit and guile and things like that. And I think if, if Jalen Hurts can do that, where we don't really notice that he can't throw the 25-yard out, then I think he can keep the job. And you are correct when you say uh, a quarterback who can make plays with his legs can be helpful. Can it be too much? We had Michael Vick here. He wasn't the same runner than he was when uh, he was with the Falcons, but still a guy who could take off and made you play. Uh, you and I started together with Randall Cunningham as the quarterback of the Eagles, who could absolutely make plays with his legs. Some Philadelphia fans like that. Others don't. you got to be able to stay in the pocket and make plays. Uh, we talked about Carson Wentz and how he was – was handled by Philadelphia Eagle fans and would be handled in the future if he comes back to town. How do you think the fans will handle Jalen Hurts? He rips off a couple 25, 30-yard highlight-type plays, but like you pointed out, his accuracy is below 60%, which isn't good enough. How are the fans going to take the Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback? Well, short-term, you know, so short-term, which would be, I'm talking about 2021, I think it's all going to be on if they win games. You know, if they... They won four games last year, and people uh, didn't get to go down to the stadium, but they watched those games, and they were they were miserable affairs. That was that was a bad, uninspired team. Uh, if he if he brings pep and excitement and so on, and they and they win a game, you know, they they beat the Cowboys twenty four to twenty one, and he runs for a touchdown or two, people will want to bronze those legs and put them on the mantle. Uh, speaking long term, of long term. No. 
It's not good. Long term, he's going to have to throw the ball well. Short term, I think people here just want to win a few games. You mentioned pep and excitement, Glenn. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get to the head coach of this team. And your thoughts on Nick Sirianni. I mean, one thing he brings is pep, excitement, energy. Every player I've talked to talks about that. However, we talked about the ceiling of this team. If this team doesn't win a lot of games, how was that portrayed by the fan base to have this guy out there so enthusiastic, so rob rob? Does that kind of turn in a negative direction? Yeah, if you don't win. I mean, if they win, will rock, scissor, paper will become a WIP promotion, right? Yeah. If they don't, mm-hmm. if they don't win, he's if they don't win, he's gonna be a joke. Um, I'll say two things about this. Um, I've been wrong on this stuff before. I mean, Jody and I were on the air together for the initial Andy Reid news conference, and we heard him hem and haw through a series of questions and say nothing and offer nothing. And we came back afterward and said, this guy's never going to last in this town. (laughs) Boy, were we wrong 14 years worth. Um, and, And it's not the only time I've been wrong like that. I just think, you know, we draw these initial impressions. Sirianni's first news conference was a disaster. I don't know if he can coach. We don't know if he can coach. Um, you know, he doesn't bring in the credentials of a, of a Chip Kelly. He brings in more of the credentials of an Andy Reid. So we'll find out. Um, the other aspect, this is, this is the thing that worries me the most, actually. And it's not Sirianni. It's the people around him. He's got a very young coaching staff. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at his coordinators, his special teams guy, his position coaches. They're in their 30s. Some of them are in their 20s. Now, that's, that's not a bad thing to me as a mix. But what I don't see there is that older guru, Jim Johnson, the guy who can say, hey, when they're all sitting around thinking they're smarter than the world, there's got to be the experienced guy in the room that says, hey, fellas, I've been around the NFL for 20 years, and here's how this works. And I don't know who that voice is, and I wish they had sprinkled in a few more experienced guys in the coaching staff because that stuff couldn't become meaningful over time jay max says that almost on a daily basis here on the show where is uh, the veteran hand the leadership okay. of this team so you guys are yeah. on the same page on that one yeah. all right I'm, I'm gonna take you on a sirianni walk maybe a little different than most eagles this year open up uh, against atlanta and atlanta home san francisco at dallas week four that that reed guy coming back to town who, yes, I remember sitting with you during the Andy Reid introductory press conference. I think I turned to you and said, I was much more motivated by Ray Rhodes than I was Andy Reid. Not good, McDonald. Uh, But Andy Reid has had the career he's had, and he's a championship coach. Let's say the Eagles are one and two. Maybe they beat the Cowboys the week before, but they're one and two in week number four. There's 45 seconds to play in the game. They're out of field goal range. It's fourth and 10. And the new coach decides to punt. And he plays for overtime rather than going for mm. it. The previous coach did that. And my God, he got killed in it. How dare you play for a tie? That could have been the beginning of the end for Doug Peterson. It is in some people's minds. Let's say that's the beginning of Nick Sirianni. That, yeah, overmatched. Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Discretion is the better part of Valor. He plays for a tie rather than goes for a win. How's that going to go over with Eagles Nation? 
Well, you kind of set it up there to where I think it's a different situation, which is he's playing the Chiefs. Doug was against the Bengals? Yes. Right? Wasn't it against Cincinnati when Doug did that? Yeah. 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 So the Bengals stink, stank, stunk, always do. Um, and the Eagles were at one point, not then, but at one point they were a Super Bowl team. They, they should have won that game against Andy Reid. Let me put it this way. The Eagles are tied against Andy Reid in the fourth quarter. I'm going to give Nick Sirianni a standing ovation. Because <laughs> losing that game by about four at that point. So I'll, I'll yeah. I, if, if they're that close, I'll give him all the latitude he needs. Now you know this is interesting because I want to bring up Jeffrey Lurie in this instance. As Jody pointed out, Glenn, I'm with you when it comes to the veteran sounding board. You mentioned Jim Johnson, Doug Peterson was a first-time head coach. He had Jim Schwartz. They gave Sean McVay Wade Phillips. You know, it's sort of like a template around the league. The Eagles haven't done that. Kevin Petullo, who is is Nick Sirianni's right-hand man, um, did Jeffrey Lurie do this on purpose? So it's Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman running this show. We have Jason Cole on who said they're going to run over this guy, speaking of Nick Sirianni. Is he overstating that? Do you he, get that feeling? I, I, John, I've heard that narrative, and I, I dispute that narrative. Uh, and the reason I dispute it is because Lori's track record with head coaches is very good. Every head coach he's ever hired has made the playoffs. Ray Rhodes was coach of the year his first year here. Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach in the end. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly went south, but the first year he was here, that team was really good, and they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. So – Given Lori's track record on coaches, I am not going to question until I really see the results. I will give Lori the benefit of the doubt. You know, is, is he exerting a little more influence on a rookie coach than he would on a veteran? Well, you know, he kind of learned his lesson with Chip Kelly when Chip kicked him out of the room. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Lori wants to micromanage the coach. All right, T-Mac, I need your take on a guy who is going to be a focus on the Eagles this year, and he should be. I, I'm a mega uh, DeMonta Smith fan. I was before he ever uh, was selected by the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year when he was in Alabama, I thought he was the best wide receiver they had, and I was shocked that he went back to school for another year. I thought he should have been drafted before either the other two wide receivers who went into the draft and were picked on the first 15 picks of the draft. So I've been a fan of this kid for three years now. I think he's going to be great here in Philadelphia. I know some people question the fact that he's got skinny legs, but those skinny legs didn't keep him from winning a Heisman Trophy last year with an unbelievable uh, production record. How high is high? How fast can this kid come out of the gate? I know it all depends on the quarterback being able to get him the ball. We just said we hope Jalen Hurts is accurate, but we don't know. How good can this kid be from day one? I put an over-under on it when I was working with Ray. Uh, actually, I did a show with John Ritchie. I'm sorry, last week on 94 WIP. And I put the over-under, and I'm sticking with this for now because I think it's realistic. 65 catches, 900 yards as a rookie, six or seven touchdowns. And you know what? That would be a, just a fine rookie year. We've seen a couple of rookies come out in the last years, set the league on fire. Arguably the best wide receiver in football last year was a rookie. But I don't expect that in his you said, Jody, he's playing, you know, he, he's not playing with Tom Brady or Drew Brees. He's, he's playing with a young quarterback. <laughs> I hope the line stays healthy. If he, if he ends up with 65 catches, 
catches in 900 yards. We should all be delighted because it foretells a great future. By the way, Mike Quick caught eight passes as a rookie. Yeah. And the Eagles, by the way, Glenn, have not had a receiver with over 600 yards for two consecutive seasons in this era of football. So 900 would look pretty damn good for Devontae Smith. I agree with you. you Besides Smith, because I think I'm with Jody, I think he's a very good player. I I want to I want to pick your brain to find a breakout player, maybe on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, somebody who you expect to take a step forward. Because I think one of the problems with the Doug Peterson era the last couple of years has been the lack of developing players. Anybody you think is ready to step up and and, and make a leap in production. Uh, on offense, I think Jordan Malata is going to win the left tackle job, and I think he's going to be really good. Uh, you know, the coach says everything's an open competition. He's not married to Andre Dillard. He didn't draft Andre Dillard. If Andre Dillard doesn't play like a first rounder, that's really no uh, no knock on Sirianni. I thought toward the end of last season, Malata really got it, and given a full year in training camp and health. I think Jordan Malata is going to be a standout left tackle. So I'm going there. Defense is tougher because um, they're all old. Maybe Josh Sweat, but that's that's in lack of having another great name at my disposal. I There's not a lot of great young players on that or rising young players on that defense that I could give you. I think, as I said, I think uh, Wilson, the new middle linebacker, is going to be very, very good, but he's not a young emerging player. So without a better name, I'll go with Sweat. Uh, Glenn, three things we talk about almost every, uh, excuse me, three three things we talk about almost every day on the show. Um, Number one, when are they going to get another starting quarterback on the free agent market? Still hasn't happened. Uh, Running joke between me and John. Why Landon Dickerson isn't signed yet? Uh, John, it's every, Jody, it's going to happen. Shut up. Every day tells me leave the Dickinson, Dickinson thing out. Jody, it's going to happen. Shut up. Yeah, I know. Another Mac now. Another Mac giving me a hard time. When he signs, I'll believe it. Until then, it's an issue. Uh, and the other thing would beat to death well, where is. Where's he going? What, wait, he, it's yeah. not like he's going to go. Jody, it's not like he's going to go play in Canada. He'll sign. <laughs> uh, he, he, may, he may wait till I, into know, camp I, and guess. then not be ready when they call on him. I, I can I can paint a picture if you need me to, but I won't even go there. Um. And Zach Ertz is still here. And we keep waiting for something to happen with Zach Ertz, and it doesn't happen. Uh, and I want to get your take on this because you're a uh, level-headed guy when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh, so from time to time, I'll get calls on WIP. We'll get uh, comments on the stream. I'll get uh, tweets. The Eagles owe Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz gave them their, his body and soul and played injured and caught the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. I, I, I know it's harsh. And I know it's kind of cutthroat, but the players don't own the team, and the team doesn't owe the players. I, I'm sorry, I just don't buy into the narrative of the team owes it to Zach Ertz. And the only reason why I think they're holding on to him is they think gets him in a trade, and the reason why I think it could blow up in their face is because you're going to have a little disrest in the locker room. But I don't think the Eagles owe Zach Ertz anything. Am I a cold-hearted creep, or uh, <laughs> do I have a good football business aspect of view of this. Do the Eagles owe Zach Ertz if they can't get anything in the trade for him to cut him now? Yeah.
I think you got a little oh, bit we, of group we... in you. Um, okay. <laughs> not the new. Because I think it's not the middle. I, that, I think that holding us. No, here's what I think. Hey, here's what holding on to a period of time to see if something would shake out was a good idea. It didn't have nobody bit. Eventually, you're not going to keep their their belief is maybe, you know, they go to training camp and another team has a serious injury and therefore they get somebody and it's going to work out. That happens one out of every 25 times. At this point... No, I think we're losing Glenn. I think the leaf blower is affecting Glenn. Oh, uh, the, 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 the knucklehead neighbor yeah. with the leaf I want to, you know, I wanted to get, hopefully Glenn will, will, will come back. I wanted to get his favorite Eagles guest on Tell Us Our Story that he does with Ray, which is Ooh. such a great no. segment. Oh. But I don't... Yeah, we we lost the yeah. back man. That's the that's one of the things we deal with here on Birds yeah. Three Sixty Five. Every once in a while, you get somebody whose Wi-Fi isn't quite up to snuff. When I reached out to Glenn, he said, "Love to do it. I'm going to be on Cape Cod." So you know, my first question was, "How's your Wi-Fi up there?" And yeah. he said, "I think it's pretty good. Should be able yeah. to hop aboard with you guys." Um, well, it was a solid segment till the leaf blower took over. You know the effect of leaf blowers. Yeah, it absolutely was. And uh, yeah, I'm saying that's now you can't be on a better place in the planet to watch the leaves turn. Uh, Cape Cod, New England, oh, yeah. it doesn't get any better yeah. than that. That's friggin' October. What yeah, the hell's got a leaf blower out for in July? A little early. A little early. I respect that though. You gotta you gotta clean your 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 porch, your deck. You got to get the leaf blower out, Jody. I respect that. Even in July, you got to do it. No respect whatsoever. Let somebody else do it. If you're if, if you're going to bother your neighbors, pay somebody else to do it. Don't you get out there and do it, which may have been the case. We don't really know for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we thank our buddy uh, Glenn Macknell for hopping on board with us. We'll punch him up periodically during the year because, yeah, he's my friend. And if I asked him to do it, he'd better do it. Otherwise, he's going to have an issue with me. Well, he's uh, going to call you a creep again. A little creep. By the way, I was going to say, you're both a creep and a good business person. From a business standpoint, you're playing bad cop, is how he says. But, yeah, it's a little creepish. Yeah. I, hey, when you need to be a creep, I can fill the void. I, I, yeah. if, if the role that I have to play, kind of like Roman Reigns being a heel, uh, I think Roman's actually a really good guy, and I liked him better when he wasn't a heel. Oh, but he's a great heel. He is great a great heel. heel. I have yeah. to admit that he's a great heel, even though I don't like the fact that he's a great heel. If you got to play the heel every once in a while, you got to turn, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Jody Mack can play creep when need be. All right, uh, coming back, we'll get as creepy as possible. Uh, we'll uh, <laughs> lead up to hour number two. We got a good guest, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, coming in hour number two. Stick around with us right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. The latest version of Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. Hanging with you talking Eagles football. Uh, should have a good guest next hour. We had a good one first hour. My buddy Glenn Mack now hopping aboard with us. Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. Scheduled to join us about 20 some odd minutes from now. And I did get a text from Mack now during the break. Uh, I said, uh, McMullen blames the Wi-Fi uh, on uh, the leaf blower. And that's why you dropped off. He got a laugh out of that. Um, and I asked him the question that you asked uh, on the air. Who was... It does a great segment on the weekends on WIP with Ray Dinger, who is as big an Eagle authority as there is on the planet. And their show is great. And they do a an expanded interview every single week with someone, usually with some kind of Philadelphia tie, either played here, originally from here. Uh, every once in a while, they take someone who only tangentially affects Philadelphia, but they great get great top flight guests on when they do it. And you mentioned before we went to break, uh, wanted to ask, who the best Eagle was that they ever had. So I quickly texted that to Glenn and he said, best might've been Dawkins or Deuce. Both were very candid and terrific guys. 
I missed the Dawkins one. I didn't hear it when it was on. I heard when they had Deuce Stallion, who was here as many years as he was and has since moved on to Detroit in the same position, running back slash assistant head coach. He got an interview to be the head coach here. I don't know how realistically he was considered to get the job. He had been there, done that, and decided it's time to move on, take a shot somewhere else. But I heard that interview, and it doesn't surprise me that Glenn said that because he was great on the air, and I think he does have a chance to be a head coach in the National Football League. You mentioned him, uh, I don't want to say a lot, but from time to time here on the show, John, that Deuce was a straight shooter and that the guys love playing him for him and the like. How much do you think the Eagles are going to miss Deuce Staley as uh, uh, their assistant head coach this year? Uh, I think they're going to miss him, but uh, I do think Jamal Singleton, who kind of took over the same role, which I was a little surprised because he got the running back coach and the assistant head coach tag as well. Um, I I think he's going to be a good coach, but as far as Deuce goes, I, I think he had to leave here to become a head coach. And ultimately that's the goals. And I always talk about the counterintuitive nature. I mentioned this with the Eagles. I mean, that they flat out said, one of the reasons they gave Nick Sirianni, at least on the surface, a little more autonomy with the assistant coaches is because he had developed more relationships around the league. How did he do that, Jody? He moved from place to place. Whereas Doug Peterson uh, came into the league, you know, he, he retired as a player, went to coach high school football for a couple of years. Andy Reid brought him back. He never left Andy Reid. Success here, success in Kansas City. Why would you leave? To me, it's counterintuitive, but that's the way the league acts. Deuce was always going to have to leave Philadelphia if he wanted to become a head coach. And I think he's in a good position for two reasons. One, Dan Campbell seems, I heard him talk about when he hired Deuce, and he talked about a lot of times that assistant head coach tag, if you're being honest, is it doesn't mean that much. And I don't know how much it meant here, although uh, Deuce was in charge of the developmental program with the younger players, which I don't think helps him over the past couple of years. And remember, when Doug tested positive for COVID-19, Deuce Staley was running the team uh, while he was gone, which, to be honest, and I said it at the time, it, it surprised me a little bit. So uh, evidently, they took that tag serious. Dan Campbell looks like he's going to take it really, really seriously. He said, this is my assistant head coach. This guy's going to be second in charge, and he wants to groom them. I always talk about head coaches. Man, they love when their guys become head coaches because it makes them look better. You you start that coaching tree. So he seems really serious. I think Deuce Staley now has a chance to be a head coach in this league if things go well in Detroit. Now, people say things never go well in Detroit. Well, guess what? Low expectations means – you don't have to go very high. You know, all of a sudden, if you're winning eight games night, you say, hey, they're doing a pretty good job. And then you you spike up to 11 or 12. It could be that quick, Jody. You, you could be a head. You could be a hot head coaching name. There's only one flaw in your statement slash argument. I, I bought almost everything you said except for one thing. Dan Campbell is already well, worried about his coaching tree. He's yeah. been a coach for 20 minutes and he's already laying Everybody out plans is. for how he's going well, to build a coaching tree to go. I don't even know if this guy's a head coach in the league. People question Sirianni. 
because of his original press conference, because he kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. And he did. I can't erase what happened, but Dan Campbell going off on stream of consciousness mm. on a rant that I had never heard just, out of a new be, hire in the National Football League. You might be the worst head coach in the world. That's a different conversation. But you want your guys to succeed, so you look better. I will, Hey, by the way, that reminds me. Connor Orr, our buddy who's been on the show a number of times, it's list season, Jody. He came out with a list of the best coaches in the league, and I think he did it right. Because he he talked he he graded the coaches the veteran coaches in one group and the rookie coaches in another group. I was a little surprised he didn't have Nick Sirianni last. He had him number five, but maybe David Culley because of Houston and what's going on, and nobody knew who David Culley was. And I think he was seventh. Um, maybe I I would figure he'd get ahead of him, but five is pretty good for Nick. All right, who do you have behind him, Dan Campbell? Probably. I have to look it up. Let me look yeah, it up. You sent quick. you sent me the link, and now I can't find it. I uh, that's that's my bad. Um, did I send you the link? Yeah, uh, you it was did. a couple days ago. It was a couple days ago. So it was, but you did. You you sent it to me, and you're right. He went uh, veteran coach as far as. Oh no! It's on my freaking phone. It's gonna take forever to get to the bottom of this. All right, I'm I'm pulling it up right now. He uh, right. yeah, he won veteran coaches. Obviously, Bill Belichick number one. Last of veteran coaches, you want to take a guess, real quick, Jody? The dead last up. one. Yeah, of the no, veterans, not Andy Reid. Someone other than Andy Reid. <laughs> I don't. Andy number two, Zach Taylor, the brother of Press Taylor. Oh, he's got a point. Uh, yeah, yeah, there it is. A uh, Dan, Dan Campbell, Campbell behind yep. him. He's the yeah. one who's going to get Deuce Daly a head coaching job in the National Football League. He's nuts. Now, some coaches, you can be a little nuts and you can make it work for you. I think that's a tough position to be in as a first-year coach. But you got to be who you who you are, right? you got to let your own personality take yeah. over. And Dan Campbell is one of those kind of wear your uh, eccentricities on your sleeve type coaches. We'll see if it works in Detroit. But, yeah, I like the fact that he is – Behind Nick Sirianni, so Nick Sirianni isn't the late the the last ranked coaches of the new coaches in the NFL, huh? No, number five, Dan Campbell, six, David Culley, seven. Number one, Brandon Staley of the Chargers, who the Eagles wanted to interview, uh, and he said no thanks because he was going to get the Chargers job. Uh, number two, Robert Sala, your guy with the Jets, who the Eagles did interview. Uh, no. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Number three, Arthur Smith, who the Eagles interviewed for Urban Meyer, and then Nick Sirianni. And he, there may be the next Belichick on this list. There may be yeah, someone. You don't know. Nobody is, knows. Right. You Nobody don't. You, you you honestly have no bloody idea. Um, and I haven't read the article. What what was it about Brandon Staley that he really liked that much? You got to put somebody number one. You got to put somebody <laughs> number seven, and ended up David Cully seven and uh, Brandon Staley one. Why was uh, behind Connor's thinking? What was the uh, line of thought as to why Staley is the best? New well, coach? let's see. He mentioned uh, his offensive coordinator, which is this longtime Saints quarterbacks coach Joe Lombardi. I uh, mentioned Staley's history. He's a former quarterback himself, uh, but he remember he was a defensive coach, so he kind of has an expertise on on both sides of the football. Uh, and you got to pick somebody, I guess, is what it comes down to. Right, and uh, I, I'm not put off by the fact that it wasn't Robert Sala, but uh, he has gotten such buildup. Maybe it's just because I'm a Jet guy on the building of the culture. It's one of those phrases that I get it and I understand it. And I think it does have a lot of sway that before you ever call your first play, you got to build a culture. Probably building the culture is bigger when you're starting than season eight. If you're still sticking around and coaching the same team, the culture is already in place and you're just keeping it in place and <clears> continuing <throat> it. Uh, but you got to build it from the start. And supposedly Salah's done a great job of that with the Jets. He hasn't won a game yet, and there are some Jet no. fan buddies of mine that uh, swear this guy is the next Weeb Eubank just because they're so desperate for him to be that. Well, that again, I bring it up with Dan Campbell. You know, the Jets were so low. Adam Gase was such a disaster. Early, at least, Robert Sell is going to have quite a honeymoon because he's going to look good. It's going to be tough for him not to look good. That's how bad it was under Adam Gase, as there you is. know better than anybody there is only one way to go with the jets and that's up because they have been absolutely positively that bad for that long a period of time all right uh monday's a good day here on the show uh not only because john and i have recharged our batteries or at least john has i work all weekend um <laughs> but uh it, it's good because a couple uh media outlets have people contributing on the weekends and or monday morning and that's the case again uh, this week because our buddy Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia and WIP puts out his 10 uh, topics that are moving Ruben these days. And one of them that he touched on over the weekend was uh, the fact that he thinks kind of the John McMullen line of thinking here. There's only one direction to go but with up when a team has been as bad as someone like the Jets and the Lions. He's taken that attitude toward J-Jaw, uh, that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has been such a disappointment that he was a legit second-round pick. He's got pro-wide receiver size, that his numbers at Stanford were pretty damn good in a major conference, touchdown passes and contested passes caught and the like, that he thinks something's going to click in for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside this year. Johnny Mac, all right. Now I've already played creep today. Now I'm going to no. play Eagle Downer today. No shot, no chance. JJ Arcega Whiteside is not only going to 
not have a breakout year for the Philadelphia Eagles. I actually think Howie Roseman, and don't kid yourself, Howie Roseman will make this call much more before any of the new Eagle coaches make this call. If he does nothing in the preseason, and it's only three games, and I get it, it's less than it usually is, but they'll have film on every single practice. If he's struggling like he did his first two years in the league, leading up to game one this year, I think he's going to be cut. I don't think he's going to make this team. I think they're going to suck it up and go, we made a mistake. We took this kid, we overevaluated him, we put to, put him on too high a pedestal. We have to admit we made a mistake drafting JJ Sega Whiteside, and they're gonna move on from him. I think that's a much better possibility of JJ Sega Whiteside actually having a breakout year. How about you? Well, a couple of things, Jody. I'm with you. If he has a bad August, he's gone. He's cut. Here's the problem: he's never had a bad August. People forget he was gone downright good in training camp as a rookie. He was really good in training camp last year. <clears throat> what does it matter? That's my concern with JJ Ortega Whiteside. I, you know, I expect him, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, choke it up. I'm getting so excited about JJ Jody. I expect him to have a good uh, August, but what does it mean? So, in other words, if he outplays your your boy, Greg Ward, in the summer, if he outplays Quez, Quez Watkins, Sean Hightower, well, he did last year and he did the year before. Well, not, you know, John was a rookie and Quez was a rookie. You get my point. He's played very well in training camp. So what does it mean if he gets to the regular season and he doesn't produce again? Then I, Then you. it's a really difficult decision. For the Eagles, because I expect him to play well, as he usually does in training camp. Remember, this new coaching staff, Jody, they don't have any skin in the game. So he's got a narrow path. If he shows up and he outplays people, maybe they say, hey, this guy's pretty good. Let's throw him out there. And then it becomes, are you going to produce in the regular season? I, I think J.J.'s got a chance to make this team. I'm not going as far as you. If he has a bad August, though, it's over. That's the only thing he's been able to perform this year uh, to this point of his career is in training camp, is in August. He's played very well at practice, and he's been able to do those things. I, I, I will say, Jody, I will say the one thing, if you want to hang your hat on J.J., he's injured all the time, and he plays through injuries. Eagles fans would ask me all the time, why does the coaching staff like Nate Gary? What? He stinks. He's this. He's that. He misses tackles. He played through injuries. People don't realize. He played through a, a, a sports hernia an entire season. He fought through it. They had tremendous respect for that. I'm not saying that's what happened with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside because he didn't perform even to a Nate Gary level. How sad is that? Oh. Um but he played through injuries. He was constantly banged up. And, and and coaches gain respect for you if you're willing to do that. Now, it's a new coaching staff. That's not the old coaching staff. But they also have a clean slate. So if he performs, and the reason he didn't perform was because of those lower body injuries and he was playing through them, if you want to hang your hat on something, maybe you can hang your hat on that. 
It just dawned on me when you said J.J. Uh, Arcega-Whiteside two Augusts in a row has actually gotten the job done. Yes. It dawned on me that I haven't gone off on this rant here on Birds 365 that I have elsewhere. And mostly it's here in Philadelphia, <laughs> but it can be applied to any team, any place, any time when it comes to the National Football League and preseason action. But I, I got the taste of it here in Philadelphia over the last several years with a couple of different players. And yes, I point the accusing finger of guilt at the fan base, but they get it. They understand it. Or excuse me, I get it from them. They're looking at things through eagle-colored glasses. And they want the home team to be something that they may or may not be. Uh, for the home team, if they don't win, it's a shame. Uh, so while I roll my eyes when I hear from Eagle fans on how great a guy looked in shorts and a T-shirt, uh, that, that's a fan. That's to be expected. But some members of the media in this town, your brethren on the Eagle beat, <laughs> I'm not pointing the finger at you, McMullen, but some of the guys that you share grass time with have bent over backwards to say how great wide receivers, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, and Nelson Aguilar come to mind, look in practice. My, the moves, the ability to get, pull the ball into their hands, the ability to sprint past in the summer, in shorts, in a T-shirt. And then the season starts, and they don't do the same thing. Shockingly, he can't perform to the level that he did against his own teammates in practice when the other team is actually trying to stop him and he's actually got to wear shoulder pads. Shockingly, he can't play anymore. How is this happening? Well, there is a mega difference between doing it in shorts against your teammates in the summer and doing it on Sunday afternoons in the National Football League game. And yes, I've called a couple of Eagle beat guys on the carpet for overhyping, overselling what, and this position specific, it can happen at any position, but wide receiver position specifically, people putting too much emphasis on what they did in preseason practices, not even the practices. They're going to practice here against the Jets and the Patriots. I'm not even talking about that because that at least is with pads on and a team on the other side of the field whose job it is to try and actually stop you. No, I'm talking about when it's Eagles on Eagles, when it is just a T-shirt on or shorts, people oversell it, and J.J. Arcega Whiteside is one of those. My God, he was the greatest thing since sliced bread is rookie <laughs> camp. Uh, he, he's well, unstoppable. He's the next Calvin Johnson, according no, well, to some of the Eagles beat on. guys. Come on. I, it, I hope nobody said that. but Damn close. My, 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 what, what do you want people to say? He performed poorly if he performed yes. well? No, no, if he performed poorly. Well, the point is he didn't. You know, Nelson Aguilar, you're right about Nelson Aguilar. I mean, Nelson is a guy who is going to pop when there's no pads on because he's so athletic. He's always open. He's always catching the football because nobody's contesting him. Um, he looks great in those types of environments. And by the way, he looked okay with the Raiders, so certainly better than he did here. Nelson's got tremendous talent. I, I try to always put that caveat on it. I talked about films. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that much. You got to be able to do it on the field. You got to be able to do pass. I try to put that context in there. But if J.J. Ortega-Whiteside looks better, you know, one of the things 
look, other than Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Rager, this team doesn't have a lot of talent at wide receiver. Just and, and just, oh, by the way, sorry to interrupt. Jalen Rager oversold last year during well, the the, the, well, the I, I, I don't know who's oversold Jalen Rager because he didn't have an opportunity to look good because he got hurt. Number one, he never looked. I I was stunned, and and you know you can read my reporting on this at the time. All they talked about was an ex, his explosion as a player. I was stunned that I didn't see that. Like I was expecting to see Nelson Aguilar, that kind of quick twitch, just unbelievable athlete. That's what I was expecting to see. I got this plotting guy and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? This is going to be the manufactured guy. Now it turns out he was probably playing too heavy. They find him twice, which uh, we reported at Sports Illustrated for being overweight. Maybe that was the reason. Who knows? But um, I was kind of negative on Jalen Reagan. Uh, JJ's played well. I don't know how to how to be negative with somebody and say the guy's outplaying everybody else on the practice field, but it doesn't mean anything. I try to offer that context until he does it in the regular season. It doesn't mean anything. But I can almost guarantee as we sit here today. Look, Jody, maybe he's gone mentally. So maybe he will be worse and maybe he's done and maybe he won't be good in August. But I, I got news for you. It's coming because he's got more talent than Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham and Quez Watkins and John Hightower, and he tends to play well in practice. He's going to play better than those guys in practice. He just is. All, all I ask, and again, not for you, McMullen, uh, not just because you're my partner. I'm being honest here. Uh, you're not one who oversells. But when recapping what J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is doing in practice again this year, feel free to sing his praises as long as and as 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 uh, long-winded as you feel necessary. Dot dot dot. But three big capital letters: B U T. Dot dot dot. Remember, this is only practice. They're not wearing pads. They're wearing shorts. It's August, not September, October, November, December. And put it in a proper perspective because then I get the calls on WIP. Do you see how great he looked in practice? And I have to roll my eyes and reel <laughs> the guy back in and go, it's practice. Yeah, remember uh, what Alan Iverson said about practice? It's practice. Don't get crazed about practice. It's practice. Tell me what he does in an actual game that I'll get excited about. And that's why people got upset at Doug Peterson because – you know, Travis Fulgham had that month of performing in games and behind the scenes, he was not a very good practice player. So which would you rather have? Uh, you know, now, um, now you'd oh. prefer to have both. Obviously you prefer. And generally when you talk about consistency and stars, that's guys who, who do both. But if it's one or the other, I'd rather have the guy that shows up on game day. Although overstated, Allen Iverson was on to something. He was actually right. Uh, people can overemphasize practice. Now, Allen just wanted to discontinue practice yeah. and have nothing to do with practice yeah. and ignore practice and uh, not even participate. Well, when you're that practice. good, you don't need practice. Yeah, that's kind of his attitude, and he yeah. was not afraid but to not everybody was as good as Allen. That's what superstars – that's what – 
like a Michael Jordan who has the work ethic to match the, the ability, that's why they become transcendent. And that's why Allen, as good as he was, he had some hiccups because he didn't understand that part of it. And you got to elevate other people too. Just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for everybody. Who will J.J. Arcega-Whiteside be uh, elevating this year? Who, who do you think is... Jalen he, Hurts, baby. He's Jalen Hurts. Okay. We'll That's see a 6'3", 225-pound red zone threat. He's Rube is my guy. He's my buddy. He's my pal. I love Ruben Frank. He's, he's taking a shot here, and I'm telling you, I think it's a big L. Uh, if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a star this year... I'm ready for the stream of views yeah. that I take here on Birds 365. I'll, I'll take it on, and I'll eat every uh, morsel of it. Will not make the team. I'm with JJ, you. I say go white side. If, if, if I'm putting a percentage, I think he's behind the eight ball. But I think the percentage is higher. I don't know what you would put it at. I'd put it at 40%. Well, if it's 40, then that means it's 60% he makes the team? No, 60 it... doesn't make the team. 40 oh, does. Oh, okay, 40 does. Yeah, that sounds about right. I might go more like uh, 66, 33, two-thirds that he doesn't make the team. But we're in the same ballpark. Splitting hairs. And that's not easy for McDonald and McMullen to do. We don't have a lot of extras. All right, coming back, uh, we're going to get our next guest up. Aaron Schatz does a great job. Football Outsiders, he'll join us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac guys on a uh, Monday get-together here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yes, we talk Eagles, but we look at the entire National Football League because that's where the Philadelphia Eagles reside. Here to help us take a look at the entire league is a guy who comes in day in and day out for Football Outsiders. Aaron Chats joins us here on Birds 365. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Good to have you, Aaron. And obviously, Aaron is here because the Football Outsiders Almanac has hit the presses. It is out. Everybody should get it. He's showing to it. Look at the size of that thing, Jody. Show that off to the side, Aaron. Look at that thing. 525 pages of NFL and college previews right here. 525 pages. So it is my favorite uh, NFL preseason annual. I I want to start out a little Football DVOA for dummies, Aaron, because you're the creator of that particular stat. Kind of explain that to to casual fans who don't understand it. Sure. DVOA stands for Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. What we do is we look at the success on every play compared to a league average baseline. That's based on the down and distance, right? Getting five yards on first and 10 is good. Getting five yards on third and 10 is not as good. We compare things to a league average baseline. We adjust it for situation and opponent. Better than zero is good for offense. Worse, uh, lower than zero is good for defense. I love that almanac. That that could actually kill a New York City cockroach. Um, (laughs) I've tried with newspapers. They don't work. You need an actual big book like that one to be able to do the duty. All right, uh, as you're compiling this during the offseason, you're on top of this. You do it every single year. You're crunching the stats every single day. Something had to jump out at you. One of the things that you did not know or hadn't realized, and when you were putting it together, you go, damn, didn't know that. What was that thing this year? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing from last year is the number of injuries when you count all the COVID and the COVID opt-outs that uh, teams like Philly, New England, San Francisco had record numbers of injuries. Also, a lot of stuff with Baltimore really jumped out. Uh, The fact that Lamar Jackson, the trouble that he has throwing to outside receivers is not just a myth. Like, it's really backed up by the numbers. Um, And then some of the numbers that change wildly from year to year in the NFL. uh, Baltimore was the best team in the league from empty backfields in 2019 and the worst team in the league from empty backfields in 2020. Like, it goes to show how quickly things change. How might we were all learning last year, Aaron? And obviously, nobody predicted the pandemic its effect. You kind of everything was fly by the seat of its pants. What did you learn about evaluating from last year's edition, say to this year? Because we're back in it. I mean, we're talking about eighty-five percent vaccination rate. 
Some teams are under 50%. We're going to see how the NFL handles it. Nobody really knows how they're going to handle this moving forward. As I said, everything is kind of fluid. How does that affect the valuation or can't you, is it too much, too difficult to get caught up in that, I guess is what I'm asking. I think it's too difficult to get caught up in that. It, it's hard because there's uh, never been an off season like last year's off season. So you couldn't really adjust for it. Yeah. And there's never been an off season like this year's off season. We don't know, for example, what the effect will be of all of the second year players finally having their first real off seasons, right? Those players didn't mm -hmm. have a real off season in their first year. Um, we don't know how many players will miss time during the season because of COVID. We still don't know, for example, last year, there's some thought that part of the problem that Cam Newton had for the New England Patriots was that he had COVID in week four because he played very well in the first three games of the season came back from having COVID and was terrible, couldn't hit any of his receivers. So there's questions going into this year about, well, is that because of Cam Newton's shoulder or is that because of COVID? Like there's so many questions and we just can't answer them until we see what the results are on the field. Aaron, love what you said about uh, not if you're a Ravens fan listening to us on Birds 365. <laughs> Sorry about Lamar Jackson and the uh, conclusions that Aaron drew from his uh, number crunching and his analytics look at the ability of the quarterback to throw it outside. I want you to apply those to the previous Eagle quarterback and the new Eagle quarterback. First of all, Carson Wentz, who was an MVP candidate in 2017 and became a stiff and the lowest-ranked quarterback in the National Football League last year before the Eagles sent him out to Indianapolis. Tell us what the number crunching said about Carson Wentz and why the precipitous drop-off. And then I want to ask you basically the same question about Jalen Hurts and the small sample size we got of him last year and his abilities off what your uh, number evaluation of him is. Carson first, if you please. Yeah, sure. About Carson Wentz, I think what you need to understand is we don't know why he declined, but what we do know is where he declined from. And the fact is that the MVP year was a bit of a mirage. It was caused by unsustainable success on third downs and in the red zone. And the fact is that the success that you have on first and second downs over most of the field is more sustainable than those smaller sample size, but more important situations like red zone and third down. So what we already knew about Carson Wentz from 2018 and 2019 was he wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He was an average quarterback. That being said, there's never really been a quarterback who declined from average to abominable to quite the extent that Carson Wentz <laughs> did last year. And there really is – I mean, I have – it's really hard to know what caused, you know, I think it, I think it's more of a scouting question than a stats question. Okay. Uh, what's in his head? Uh, what happened with his mechanics? Uh, certainly the offensive line injuries did play a part. We have a stat called offensive line continuity score. And the Eagles had the lowest offensive line continuity score we had ever measured. They didn't oh. use the same five linemen yeah. for three games in a row at any point. Yeah. So, it's hard to know why Wentz collapsed so much, but what's important is to know where he collapsed from. He didn't, he wasn't an MVP level quarterback before his collapse. He was an average quarterback before his collapse. 
Fair enough. Jalen Hurts, uh, number crunching, tell you about him. I know some people compare him to uh, the quarterback of the Ravens. I actually like his arm better. I'm a bigger fan of his arm than some people are. Some people question whether he has a true starting quarterback's NFL arm. I think his arm strength is good enough. I'm going to question his decision-making, and is he just going to be a guy who, as soon as he gets pressured, he takes off and run, takes off and run. Um, I'll ask you to crunch your numbers on Jalen Hurts. What did you see? What did you learn of the small four-game sample we got last year? As far as his arm goes, Jalen Hurts had a very high average depth of target, so I don't think his ability to throw for distance is a problem, especially on first and third downs. He threw deep a lot. So I don't think I don't think throwing deep is a problem. He was better against zone than against man, so that's sort of interesting. Uh, although you know the Eagles were not exactly running receivers out there who can beat man coverage, so I don't know how much that has to do with Hurts versus you know Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward. Um, he was uh, he was about average against pressure, but he was below average without pressure which is not a good thing going forward because it's your performance without pressure that tends to stay consistent while your performance without your performance under pressure is very variable. Um, Go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say the other thing is that his performance as a runner should improve because like in our numbers, we ding him for fumbled snaps, but that's not really those count as runs, but they're not really runs. If you know, if they fumble fewer snaps and, 2021 that his you know running will improve i i think when i talk to most personnel people the first thing they bring up when they question jalen is, is the accuracy and the number 52 percent stands out but you put more context to that obviously in, in the nfl these days what 65 percent might be average for a good quarterback so that is a really really bad number uh, from your experience, can guys improve? I think you, you you look to Josh Allen in Buffalo, who was knocked as an inaccurate guy, and all of a sudden he becomes accurate enough. Uh, so how rare is it for someone to really spike in the accuracy kind of category? Very rare. I mean, some improvement is expected. And certainly for second-year quarterbacks, most of them play badly their first year and improve in their second year. And I would expect the same from Jalen Hurts. We are going to be using Josh Allen as an example of how a quarterback can improve in accuracy from now until the end of time. But I don't know how duplicatable it is. Um, If it turns out that whatever he did with studying his mechanics on film and with computers and adjusting his mechanics to improve his accuracy, if that could be duplicated with other quarterbacks, it really changes how you scout quarterbacks because it allows you to bring in more guys who maybe have stronger arms or are more mobile uh, and who aren't as good at accuracy and hope that you could improve them in the NFL. Until I see it happening regularly with quarterbacks who aren't named Josh Allen, I'm going to expect that it is about as rare as it has been in history. It's very rare for a quarterback to improve his accuracy the way Josh Allen did last year. Aaron, let me take you here. Um, Again, we are in the season of looking into crystal balls and lists and getting ready for an upcoming year. And soon enough, camps are going to open up and we get to actually watch football again. But everybody likes to analyze and speculate. I've seen more predictions of 
the same two teams in the Super Bowl this year than I have in the last five years, 10 years, maybe even 15 years, going back to the last time it happened with the Bills and the Cowboys in the 90s. I get it. I understand. Patrick Mahomes is on one side, and that Brady guy who just lives in the Super Bowl is the other. Is it just the quarterbacks? Is that why I see more people saying, yeah, we're going to see the Colts and the Bucks again than we usually do? Because we know how difficult it is to get back to the Super Bowl two years running. Is it tied solely to the quarterbacks? And do you think that it's accurate this year that, yeah, it could very well be Kansas City and Tampa in the Super Bowl? It's heavily tied to the quarterbacks. The fact is quarterback is the most important position in the game. And in some ways, the game revolves around the quarterback and you need to have a top quarterback to have the best chance of making it to the Super Bowl. In Tampa's case, it's not just about the quarter. First of all, in Kansas City, Mahomes has guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So it's not just about the quarterback, but it's heavily about the quarterback because their defense is average, maybe even worse than average. In Tampa Bay, it's much more about the whole team around Brady. He's got great receivers. He's got a really good offensive line. He's got a really good defense. The problem Tampa Bay has is a lack of depth, which was not an issue last year when they were the healthiest team in the league. So you can predict them to make it back, but if they have an above-average level of injuries, they're going to fall off more than other teams because at most positions – they don't have depth. There's a couple positions that are exceptions like tight end. But for the most part, uh, Tampa Bay is not a very deep team. But we do have them as the best team for this year projected. And we have them with a very easy schedule. So when you combine those two things, we have them as the best chance of any team to go to the Super Bowl again. Aaron, I want to focus you on the NFC East uh, because we're talking Philadelphia Eagles here every day. But the division as a whole, obviously, it's been a downtime for the NFC East. Looks like teams are starting to head in, in a better direction, certainly in Washington. Uh, in the New York Giants, Dallas is getting Dak Prescott back. Just your thoughts on the division as a whole. Well, we're really big Dak Prescott believers. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the game when healthy. And we do think that he'll power Dallas back to being, you know, a definite playoff team. And I think clearly the class of the NFC East, if Prescott is healthy. Uh, Washington, I think you can expect their defense to regress towards the mean a little bit after last year's huge improvement. But you can also expect their offense to be better because their offense was so horrifically bad last year with Haskins and Smith. And Fitzpatrick is, even if he's average, a huge improvement. So I think Washington's going to be in the playoff hunt as well. The Giants are just heavily dependent on Daniel Jones taking a huge third-year leap forward. And third-year leap forwards don't happen that often. Again, we're going to point to Josh Allen all the time and be like, well, Josh Allen did it. Can't enter quarterback's name here. Do it but it's not likely. And the Eagles uh, also look like a little bit of a you know wreck. They're in a transition period. Obviously, they're depending on Jalen Hurts taking a huge step forward. So I think it's really going to be Dallas and Washington competing for the division title. Fair enough. And I want to follow up on one of the QBs you just mentioned because I have a strong opinion on him. As a guy who does shows in Philadelphia and New York, I watch the Giants every week, if not live on tape afterwards. I'm sorry, I just don't like Daniel Jones. I like the <laughs> fact that they added Kenny Galladay. I like the fact that they added Kyle Rudolph. I love the fact that they're getting Saquon Barkley back 
because I think he's as talented a back as there is in the National Football League. I just don't like Daniel Jones. No matter what weapons they put around him, I don't think the guy's going to be able to get the job done. And if he's got to run, I think he'll trip over the 10-yard line again and go down. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I'm not a fan. What do your numbers say about Daniel Jones and his potential to improve with better weapons around him this year? I mean, he's been bad. He was 32nd in the league in our DVOA stat last year. He was 30th the year before. That's not good. I feel like Daniel Jones's ceiling is average. He just doesn't feel like a guy whose ceiling is to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league, even with having Kenny Galladay this year. And when we talk about better weapons, we're talking about one guy. We're talking about Kenny Galladay. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a nice running back to have, uh, and he's a good receiver, but he's not really a receiving weapon per se. He's a guy you dump off to and get more yards than when you dump off to a bad running back. But he's not a guy you don't build your offense around passes to Saquon Barkley. Kenny Galladay is obviously a really good deep. And Jones has a good deep ball. His problem is more on the short and intermediate stuff. So with Darius Slayton and Kenny Galladay, they could go deep. It's the short and intermediate stuff where, where Jones has issues. I want to keep it New York, Aaron, but I want to talk about a player heading out of New York, and that's Sam Darnold, because I think he's going to be one of the more interesting stories in the NFL, getting a second chance in Carolina, getting away from Adam Gase, who I think could have ruined anyone, to be honest, as a head coach in this league. So a lot of people look at what, what happened to Ryan Tannehill, leaving Miami, going to Tennessee, at least becoming – Certainly a competent quarterback. Can the same thing happen to Sam Darnold in Carolina? Can it? Yes. Is it likely to? No. I mean, there's no statistics that can tell you that Sam Darnold is going to be good this year. Because even Ryan Tannehill, when he was struggling in Miami, and I put struggling in sort of scare quotes, was much better than what Darnold has been the last three years. He has been the worst quarterback in the league for the last three years, other than, I guess, Dwayne Haskins. And there's no stats that can, there's no statistical way to measure the like soul sucking ability of Adam Gaze. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a purely subjective thing. Yes. Is it possible that real. Joe, you know, I, I that want you Joe to come up with a stat because I think it's real. I think the soul sucking ability of Adam Gase is real. Is I need a stat for it. It's possible that Joe Brady is a, such a good offensive coordinator. You know, we saw what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had the best full season of his career last year. It, it's possible that Joe Brady is such a good offensive coordinator that he can even make Sam Darnold look good, but it's very, very unlikely. Is it likely that he'll be better than he was with the Jets? Oh, yeah, especially because, I mean, the receivers are a lot better than what he had certainly last year with the Jets, with DJ Moore and having Robbie Anderson back, who he already had with the Jets, but he didn't have last year. Uh, but there's no stat that can tell you that Sam Darnold's going to suddenly turn it around. It's all based on hope and faith. All right. Uh, this is probably a completely unfair question, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway, because you brought it on yourself with your great turn of phrase of soul-sucking ability <laughs> of uh, the Jets' former head coach. Give me a phrase to describe John Gruden, who's had a different type of coaching career. Uh, didn't get it done. Went to Tampa, won a Super Bowl, got put on a pedestal, got out. 
did a nice job broadcasting for a decade and then came back to the National Football League. The great return of the great Gruden. And it's been as uh, middle of the road-ish as it has been so far in Oakland slash Vegas. How would you describe John Gruden coming into this? Your expectations, what he's accomplished. If you got a really catchy phrase like soul sucking, I would certainly take it for for Grudog. But how do you describe where John Gruden and the Raiders are at right now? The Las Vegas Raiders replacing silver and black with beige and off white. Ooh, not good. They are the most meat. Well, it's better than being the Jets. I mean, that's true. They're the most. Oh, just stick that knife in, Aaron. Go ahead, a little deeper with that knife. The Raiders are the most mediocre average team in the league. They have like our most average projection, which means, you know, based on the range of possibilities, could they be good? Sure. Could they be bad? Yeah. Are they most likely to be like eight and nine or nine and eight? Yep. They're a little bit above average on offense. They're a little bit below average on defense. Like it's the fourth year of the Gruden and Mayock. Like, let's see some results, guys. But it just doesn't feel like any results are coming. And some of it is because they draft really weird. They have a completely different draft (laughs) board than everyone else. They really tend to overestimate guys' draft positions. And it's not – look, you want to draft guys when they come up on your board. But you also have to understand everybody else's board and where you can get value by trading down and getting the same guy you would have taken earlier. And the Raiders have a habit of taking guys way before anybody else is thinking of taking them. And then, like Cleveland Farrell, the defensive end they took fourth overall a couple years ago, they turn into very average players. It's nice that Cleveland Farrell is an average player. You don't use your fourth overall pick on average players. Speaking of fun descriptions, Aaron, there's one out in Green Bay with a complicated fella and Aaron Rodgers. He might be there. He'll probably be there, but he might not be there. What is the difference in the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers versus the Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers? Oh, it's a colossal difference. I mean, there's no question about it. With Jordan Love, we would probably project them to be among the worst offenses in the league. And that's no disrespect meant to Devontae Adams or David Bakhtiari or the other quality players on their offense. It's just that we didn't have a very good projection for Jordan Love coming out of college. There's no NFL you know, history on him. So we would not project the Packers offense to be very good. And their defense is you know, average. It could be good. It could be bad. There's some obviously good players on it, like Jair Alexander and uh, Zadarius Smith. But um, a huge amount of Green Bay being an actual contender this year depends on Rodgers. I will also add the entire NFC North has difficult schedules, which puts the Packers a little bit behind uh, teams like uh, Tampa Bay uh, and Dallas as far as like trying to get that first round by. Uh, because their schedule is pretty difficult. So they need to have, I mean, they need to have Rodgers. The season's over if they don't have Rodgers, honestly. All right. I'm glad you went there with the Raiders in the draft. Rightfully so. They are just a little weird and do it differently than everybody else. Uh, since, since you get into that game, I'm going to ask you to do so again for this upcoming season. Uh, Patrick Mahomes came into the league, sat for a year. First, we got a look at him. We said, Wow, this guy's a little different than everybody. He does a little different than everybody else. Uh, Jamal Adams, 
a pass rushing safety, a guy who can get to the quarterback and do things and put up numbers that we're not used to seeing. Jefferson last year on Minnesota off the charts. Oh, by the way, John and I both, a lot of Eagles, how the Eagles didn't draft him and took Jalen Rager. We're still trying to figure out, but that's an argument for another time. Is there a guy who's coming into the NFL this year out of the draft who may just have a skill set, something that they do that is going to grasp our attention and say, wow, didn't know you could accomplish that from that position. If there is someone like that, who is it most likely to be? You have honestly hit an area that is not an area of my expertise. I do not pay that much attention. We do college football in the book. I have writers who do college football. I don't pay that much attention to college football until we get to February and we start really evaluating these guys okay. for the draft. So I actually don't have an answer. I to thought that you question. did when you said <laughs> that the Raiders had the funky no. draft. Yes. I said, all right, he knows draft. I can ask him about rookies. Ask me next March. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Aaron, last one for me. Going to keep it in your wheelhouse. And everybody go to footballoutsiders.com. Pick up the Football Outsiders annual uh, best uh, 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 preview guide in the business. It's not even a guide. It's a book over 500 pages. Uh, you mentioned Tampa Bay, you mentioned Dallas, you mentioned Kansas City, some people you think are contenders. Give me one surprise team that's going to be a little bit better than people think in the NFC and the AFC. In the NFC, I'd go with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, who had a bit of a rebuilding year last year that was sort of hidden as maybe being in playoff contention, but it was really a rebuilding year for their salary cap. They're likely to have much better luck this year in things like special teams and injuries. Uh, and we think that they're going to be pretty competitive in the uh, AFC. It's the new England Patriots last year, the Patriots lost more defensive talent from year to year than any team we've tracked in the last 18 years. This year, the Patriots are adding more defensive talent than any team that we've tracked in the last 18 years. And we think their defense is going to bounce back to being one of the league's best with all of the talent that they're adding. Their offense should be a little bit better than it was last year. I have no idea what the deal is with Cam Newton's health. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be the quarterback. But defense and an easy schedule, the easiest projected schedule in the league, will carry the Patriots to a playoff berth. I know this is a question that I'm completely swimming upstream and uh, probably won't get the answer that I'm looking for, but I'm hoping for the answer. Um, Have you, in doing what you guys do, and you gave us, give us one more peek at the 500-page almanac that you're going to be sending out uh, soon enough. Damn, love that thing. Um, Anybody within the league, Everyone who's in the league thinks they're smarter than everybody else, and they can't acknowledge media members for doing a good job and unearthing great information and the like. But there are some people that are honest and genuine. Did you either hear from, see a quote, get a text, get a tweet from someone who said, great point brought out by the football outsiders? I hadn't realized. Have you ever gotten an acknowledgement from someone within the league that you said, damn, that's why we do what we do? Oh, tons. Yeah, absolutely. We have, uh, first of all, every team in the league now has at least one analytics person. And I think the most analytically forward teams are the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. We hear from teams in the league all the time. Uh, They follow what we do. They follow our competitors. 
they use the next gen stats. They use all of the charting that comes from the league, from the, the chips and the pads that chart where the players move on the field. So analytics has taken a huge step forward in the NFL over the last four to five years. And there's no question that what we do is being followed by people in the league. That's what we like to hear. Uh, glad to hear they're acknowledging it because I know some people in sports that just refuse it. If they didn't come up with the idea themselves, then it doesn't really count <laughs> and it doesn't really exist. Glad you're getting the props for what you guys do. We give you props for hopping on with us today. Aaron, thanks much. We'll talk to you when the season gets rolling. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Again, footballoutsiders.com to get the electronic version of the Almanac or Amazon for the print version. The, the only issue we got with Yaron is the fact that you've only got half a wall. You got a uh, actual window on one side. We got to get a full-blown wall mm. behind you so you can look like the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Aaron, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks that for having me on the show, guys. Thanks, Aaron Chats of Football Outsiders here with us on <laughs> Birds 365. Pretty good wall. Not as good as John and I, but a pretty good wall in his own right, and he gave us some great info. All right, we'll come back. I say we put a bow on the show next. Here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. 
ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. J-Mac and J-Mac. You got a couple of Macs here with John Bird, 365. We only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, thanks both Aaron Schatz and Glenn Macno. Two really good guests today. Uh, different ends of the spectrum. One, an analytics guy looking at the entire National Football League, but giving you some damn good insight on the Eagles. And Glenn, the host of the Eagles pregame show on their uh, radio network. Hope you enjoyed both of those guys. I did. Uh, J-Mac, here's the question I have for you. And I bet you you uh, would have not thought that I would have asked this question to you before uh, yours truly and uh, you and I hopped together today. What quarterback, and you've been watching the National Football League a long time, so have I. Uh, what quarterback that you've seen play live had the best arm strength you ever saw? Who threw the Brett football? Farr. Just pure Brett arm Farr. strength. Brett Favre was Nolan Ryan of arm strength. Brett Favre could throw a football through a car wash and it would come out dry. Every cliche there is. Brett Favre could throw a football through your chest, Jody. Uh, that's that's a damn good answer. I didn't think of Favre, but as soon as you said his name, I said, oh, he's on to something there. Favre had a great arm. Yeah, I've been on the field when Brett Favre throws the football. Uh, get the hell out of the way. John Elway would be in the conversation. I get John Elway all the time. Brett Favre could throw the ball. Uh, I, I'll give you an avant-garde one that you're not going to hear many people say because he didn't have the success of either a Brett Favre or a John Elway. But I'm telling you, this guy had an arm to match either Favre or Elway. And his name was Jeff George. Yes, Jeff. I was about to say Jeff George. I was about to guess Jeff, Jeff George. He could just flat out spin the football. Because. I saw a game. I'll tell you a quick story. We only got a couple of minutes here, but I'll make this quick. I was at a game in which the starting quarterbacks, as a fan, not a media member, just as a fan, bought a ticket to go to the game. The starting quarterbacks were Jeff George for the Washington Redskins. This was after his Indy days and Oakland days, toward the tail end of his career. He was a starting quarterback for the Redskins. Yeah, I know. They're the Washington football team now. But then they were the Redskins in Dallas against the Cowboys. And who do you think the starting quarterback for the Cowboys was? Um, 2000 this was. Might have been 2001. It was was not Troy Aikman. He was out with a concussion at the time. Give me Babe Laufenberg. Incorrect. Take another guess. Uh, Anthony Gordon. Incorrect. Take another guess. Uh, I'm coming up blank. I'll give you his initials. R.C. R.C. I'm still coming up blank. I'll give you another hint. You might recognize him more in green than in uh, with a star on his helmet. Oh, so it's a former eagle. Why am I not coming up with this? Uh, Give me another hint. The ultimate weapon. 
Oh, Randall Cunningham. Randall oh. Cunningham was the starting quarterback for the Dallas I had Cowboys. Forgotten, I had forgotten the Dallas era. I, I must admit, I had forgotten. Um, Randall Cunningham against Jeff George. And I'll tell you why I saw the game live. I was in Dallas covering baseball's winter meetings. And we had a down day, and the Cowboys and the Redskins were playing. Oh, by the way, they both sucked that year. It was December. It was an Eagles-Giants fight for the division title. Both the Cowboys and the Redskins were bad. And Randall Cunningham against Jeff George, we bought tickets that day. You know how hard it is to get Cowboys tickets in Dallas. Nobody wanted to go. There was a tremendous uh, weather storm, ice and the like, that hit the Dallas metropolitan oh, yeah. area. They can't, they can't deal with that down in North Texas. When those ice storm hits, whew, it's ugly. We took a cab from the hotel we were staying at to the Cowboys Stadium and just bought tickets before the game and went in and watched the Cowboys because we had nothing else to do, watching Cowboys and Redskins. Um, Jeff George threw a pass in that game. It was the greatest pass I had ever seen in the National yeah. Football League in my history. He gets flushed out of the pocket. He's going left, which, of course, he's a right-handed quarterback. He's flushed left. He's almost out of bounds. He stops. He plants. He throws back against his body and hit a guy 30 yards downfield going away from the play yeah. on a you. line, on a rope, and hit him dead in stride going across. It was, for me, physically impossible. It couldn't be done. And I watched Jeff George do it with my own yeah. eyes. I was just flabbergasted at the guy's capability. He, he's in the conversation. The you know what I always hear about Jeff George, and this is a different category. You know, Randall, for instance, would be – by the way, I forgot. It, it was Philadelphia, Minnesota, Baltimore. I forgot Dallas with Randall Cunningham. I don't know how many games he played down there. but Not a lot. Um, yeah. Um, Jeff George, most catchable ball – People call, talk about that with them. They always say it about Warren Moon. He threw such a, a, a perfect uh, ball, most catchable ball. I think Jeff Jordan is sort of maybe the best combination of arm strength and catchable ball. Um, and, and, and you know who else is in that conversation? That Eagles fans will pull their hair out. People talk about Sam Bradford. Throws one of the most catchable balls of anybody who ever lived. Um doesn't necessarily turn you into a great quarterback. No. But you're right with Jeff George, man. He had a great arm. Great arm. As and far he, as just pure arm strength, though, like I said, Brett Barb is Nolan Ryan. He typified the phrase, and it's probably overused in sports, but it is unfortunately accurate, uh, million-dollar arm and 10-cent head. Uh, Jeff George, just not the most uh astute quarterback in the understanding he had of one the game. great year interestingly can we talk about the weirdness of minnesota randall cunningham had his best year in minnesota um jeff george had his best year in minnesota brett Favre had his best statistical year in minnesota um who else who am i missing uh there's another oh warren moon had his best statistical year in Minnesota. It's pretty amazing. And uh, Dante Culpepper had uh, good years. Well, he was the there. Per, he was a, right. Those guys were Randall's most known for the Eagles, but he went to he had the MVP year. Uh, Warren was best known for Houston, but he went there. Brett Favre, obviously, with the Packers, went there at the end, just lit up the place. 
uh, it was uh, it's weird. 2000 Randall Cunningham played in six games for the Dallas Cowboys, started three, and that was the end of Troy Aikman's career. He got his umpteenth concussion and had to be replaced, was replaced by uh, Randall Cunningham. I just happened, weird that I just happened to be at that game in Dallas because I was there on a baseball assignment, but I took in football and saw maybe the most impressive pass I've ever thrown in the history of the National Football League. And the reason why I brought it up, We'll do this on Birds 365 tomorrow. I think people are underrating Jalen Hurts' arm strength. No, I'm, think, not, I'm not going to compare him to freaking Brett Favre. No, 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 no. And I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there either. But people are actually questioning his arm strength and saying his arm strength is a weakness. I don't believe that. I think his arm strength is actually slightly above average. Now, then you got Jeff George, uh, Brett Favre, uh, John Elway, whose arm strength, if you're rating him on a scale of 1 to 10, is an 11. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is that, but people are talking like Jalen Hurts' arm strength is a 5. I think it's a solid 7.5, 8. If that's average in the NFL, a a 7.5, My bigger concern is the accuracy and we just had Aaron shots on. I he didn't give me. He didn't make me feel good with the accuracy part of it. Understood. But I do like his arm strength. I think his arm strength will be fine. Yes, he's going to have to improve his accuracy. So that'll be one of the things we talk about uh, come twenty-two hours from now when we return here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Johnny Mac, I'll talk to you in twenty-two. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Jody. Let's do it again. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.